Welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm Ryan Rhodes. And if you're hearing this message, it's because you've selected one of our episodes from season one of the Fire Podcast. My wife and I, we used to live in Columbus, Ohio before we did. Uh, this podcast was launched and it was run by Jeffrey Hawthorne and Nick Hawthorne. They did a wonderful job. Uh, really thankful for those guys. And since then, we have moved out to Seattle, Washington. We uh, now feel like it's time to relaunch this podcast. And so if you want to hear the newest content, you'll want to jump to the relaunch, which is episode 14. Uh, if not, definitely stay, listen to this content. It's full of great speakers and rich content. You'll probably laugh uh, a few times along the way. Those guys are hilarious, and I uh, hope it blesses you. Also, if fire has impacted you in any way and you, you love what we do, uh, please consider supporting us either one time or monthly. Uh, you can go over to firemovement.com slash support uh, to to give there, um, and we appreciate any any kind of support. We're really thankful for you guys. Also, please share. Um, share these episodes with your friends. Share with us what God's doing through this, how these are speaking to you. I'd love to connect with you and hear a little bit more of your story. Uh, and so send us an email, send us a message, connect with us through social media, however you'd like, but I'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the episode. Open my heart's door wide. Oh, how brilliant you shine. You are gloriously good. Open my heart's door wide. Oh, how brilliant you shine. You are gloriously good. Open my heart's door wide. Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast, the most fire podcast you'll ever hear. Um, but th today I am your host, Nick Hawthorne. I'm uh, replacing Jeffrey. Uh, you can vote, email us if you want me to replace him. Just let me know. <laughs> um, but this is uh, the second um, part of a three-part series that we're going to do on Unity. Um, last time... Jeffrey and I spoke on unity within community, but today we're going to be discussing <laughs> community, uh, but within the whole bride. So, like, that means all the churches together. Um, and, yeah, today I have with me um, Gerald Murphy. Uh, he is a local pastor here. Um, yes, uh, modern-day Barnabas. Uh, <laughs> super encouraging uh, from my own witness. And so, yeah, Welcome. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes. We'd love to have you here. And uh, before we get into, you know, the meat of the whole conversation, um, I have some questions, some icebreakers. Uh, hopefully at least one of them stumps you. Or <laughs> Yes. I was given one from a friend to ask you. All right. So I hope it actually, like, gives, makes you have some thought to it. Um, but if you were to eliminate one of these two sauces from your life, which would it be? And it is either sriracha or yum yum sauce. Oh my goodness. Wow. Meaning I could never have it again. Yeah. But you get the other one. That is tough. Oh. That is tough. You know, I, I think if I had to choose, you know, I would I would have to eliminate the yum yum and keep keep my sriracha, mainly because sriracha I feel like 
you can literally put on anything. Yum yum sauce you could put on most things, but there's a few things that you just shouldn't put yum yum sauce on. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's almost nothing that you couldn't put sriracha on. Yep. I felt like that would be your answer. When I saw the question, I'm like, I feel like sriracha is more universal. Yeah. Although I personally prefer yum yum. But <laughs> I'm <laughs> I barely use sriracha unless it's like on strange like like pho or like ramen I've used it and that's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Okay, okay. So yeah, that that's my only either or question. The second one is um well we live in Ohio, so we're blessed to get all four seasons. Right. Favorite, least favorite, and why? Or you could go and rank them if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll stick with the first question. Um, (laughs) Favorite season is definitely fall. I love fall. And this is not technically like a correct answer because (laughs) my least favorite is the transition from winter to spring. Huh. Yeah, so I don't really not like any of the seasons, but I cannot stand the transition from winter to spring because it's like, it's still cold, but now it's cold and wet. Uh, You know what I mean? It's still really windy. And those three things, cold, wet, windy, all together, mm -hmm. I don't like that. So like, you know, the end of March going into early April... I could do without that for sure. Mm. Okay. And okay. I love fall just because it's it's still warm during the day, but you get those cool nights and so the bonfire and, <laughs> you know, marshmallows and all that good stuff. It's awesome. Interesting. That <laughs> second, the least favorite. Yeah. I've never thought about that ever. <laughs> huh? Like wet and cold. Huh. <laughs> it's nice. Um... But, okay, so we got to learn a little bit about you. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so let's get to it. I think Jeffrey asked me this question last time, so I'm just going to ask you this as well. I mean, obviously, I'm going to ask you um, how to define this, but we don't want to go with Webster, so put mm-hmm. it in your own words. But how would you define unity, Yeah. like, overall? I think unity defined... And especially using it in a way that it, it it transcends, I guess, any one set category, especially like that goes even beyond the, the theological and biblical context. Unity to me is the coming together of ideas, the coming together of people, the coming together of systems, whatever it may be, in a way that they now complement one another mm-hmm. and that they are moving towards one goal, one direction. Um, so there's got to be a, a joining together, but then also like a moving together, you know, mm-hmm. a, a coming together, a blending together initially, but with the intent of then moving together. There's got to be movement, in my opinion, for true unity to, to reach its, its, I guess, its ultimate capacity, if, if that's a, a good way to describe that. Um, so yeah, it's like a coming together and a, and a moving together of people, things, systems, you name it. Mm. It's good. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm deciding between two questions right now. Um, but I'll go with the one that just popped in my head. But so you said movement, like comes. Can you give an example of what you've seen that like 
or like an example of what you've seen in your life with the movement? Yeah, I mean, I, I played sports in high school. And so, you know, you look at a football team, you've got 11 guys on the field at any given time between offense and defense, and they all have different responsibilities. They all have probably a different way of seeing the field based upon their positions and based upon their roles. But at the end of the day, they're bringing all of those different perspectives, those different responsibilities coming together and then literally moving together mm-hmm. while they still operate in those individual uh, spaces and positions. And so, yeah, I think any sports is like good for so many different <laughs> analogies, but that's the first one that comes to my mind. Nice. Um, yeah, so that was good. Made sense. Um, but the reason uh, we like had you on especially specifically for this um, is we see you just working like we're a whole different community in fire mm-hmm. and uh yeah we just have great relationship with you I, I see you having great relationships with a bunch of different leaders in mm-hmm. the city um so you obviously are not just believing it but you're actually living it out mm-hmm. implementing it um so like what is your your journey with it like have mm-hmm. you always been like oh unity like from the get-go with Jesus, or is mm-hmm. that, has it been something that you've grown to learn about, and how so? Yeah, I, I think to start from the beginning, you know, I grew up in a black Baptist church here in Columbus, Ohio, Second Baptist, uh, one of the oldest, I think the second oldest black Baptist church in the city, wow. and so my, you know, my perspective of Christianity and church was just that. It was predominantly African-American you know, uh, worship experience from gospel music and just all the different nuances that are connected to, you know, just even what you might call just the black preaching style within a lot of uh, predominantly black congregations. And that's all I knew. And um, I was 12 when my church at the time split up, you know, the adults couldn't get along and they wanted to make a, a change in who the pastor was and then my father had a stroke that same year I was in seventh grade and that kind of led me into an eight-year season of not really having a church home not really having a place for God and, and especially any organized uh, worship in my life I didn't have a place for it anymore from about 12 to 20 when I was 20 a good friend of mine Sheldon Harris he's the assistant pastor at Potter's House Columbus you know, he and I played football together in high school. We got into a lot of trouble together um, and things like that. And, and so, you know, we had a relationship that was kind of built on, you know, just partying and all that kind of stuff. And so fast forward to when I was 20 years old. Um, again, I wasn't living for the Lord. I would have still told you I was a Christian, but definitely wasn't living for him. And, and Sheldon comes in back into my life and, and he had just made a radical shift and really put Jesus first in his life. And I thought to myself, okay, if I'm going to go on this journey, which I'm skipping a whole crazy testimony, <laughs> but maybe I'll come back for another another day for that. But eventually I said yes to Jesus and really wanted to see him first in my life. And I figured whatever church was good enough to clean Sheldon up was good enough for me. I had never been to the Potter's house, never even heard of it. Mm-hmm. But that's where Sheldon went, so that's where I went. And I'll never forget it. I remember sitting in, you know, the the seats, and at the time it was our, our, our gym, was our sanctuary. And I remember being aware that there was more white people in, like, the audience than I was used to seeing. But there was enough black people that it didn't freak me out, you know. And then the worship pastor was black. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, this is, this is, this is good. 
And then the worship is over and Pastor Oldfield comes out. And I remember leaning over to Sheldon and I said, so where's where's like the pastor at? Like the like the real pastor. And Sheldon's like, he's right there. And I'm like, no, no, like like the real pastor. <laughs> because in my mind, <laughs> the only the only thing that made sense was a black preacher, a black pastor. And it took me a minute to just even like within myself come to terms with, wow, if I go to church here, I'm going to be led by a white pastor. And that's kind of where I think my initial confrontation of my own prejudices, my own intolerance, my, my own, you know, just um, subconscious, you know, uh, uh, I guess how you would how you describe it, just um resistance towards what I would later find to be true unity, you know, that's when it started. And shortly thereafter, I just really went into a season of just prayer and and spending time in the presence of the Lord about it. And I'll never forget reading Ephesians 4 and John 17. Mm -hmm. And I realized in that moment, it was so much more than just my individual perspective and my individual tolerance, but there was something much, much greater at stake as it relates to being able to come together with people of everything from different skin colors to ideas um, about, you know, how church should, should, should operate. There was something way, way bigger at stake. And so um, that's kind of the way I would describe the beginning journey of, um, you know, my heart being gripped with unity. That's cool. Um, yeah, man, I love John 17. I'm like, yes, it's one of my favorites. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so what are some, I guess, since you've begun this journey, what are some things that like you've seen, um, that's really given you hope for like the body fully coming together? Yeah. Well, first off, I I think just talking to other believers from different cities. Hmm. So I look at the last eight and a half years, you know, since that moment from my own personal confrontation. Um, with my own prejudices and things of that nature, um, just within my own local church as, as it relates to the Potter's House, then getting brought into the heart of Jesus, right? His his final prayer, mm-hmm. calling the body together as one and, and literally going as far as to say, based upon your ability to be one, the world will actually believe that I came. Like that just wrecked me. You look at that statement he makes in John 17, and you look at the statement he makes in John 13, which John 13 to John 17 is one discourse that he's having with the disciples. That's actually his final teaching, his final words of advice that he's giving to the disciples before he's arrested in John 18. So it puts a lot of significance and weight on that final exchange there. And he makes two statements within that discourse. He says in John 13 that if you love one another, they'll believe that you're my disciples. And then he says in John 17, if you're unified, they'll believe that I came. And it's like, whoa, there's the missions and evangelism strategy of Jesus. Like, wow. and, and so for me, it was, it, was, it was just a laser focus from that point forward that no matter what I'm doing in the context of ministry, in the context of, of you know, just trying to contend for God's heart for the community that I've been placed in, this has to be a part of it. And so for me, I had to start really practical because I think especially with the concept of unity, we can get so 
lost in the fantasy of it that we don't ever take consistent practical steps towards it. And for me, it was just trying to identify with what I would consider my contemporaries. I was getting involved in young adult ministry, so I just kind of started there. What are some of the other young adult communities? Who are some of the other young adult leaders in the city that are really, you know, moving and shaking, um, if you will, and, and advancing the kingdom? And let me go to them. You know, it's not even about inviting them to come where I'm at, but let me go to them. And so next thing you know, I'm going to Hope City on a regular basis. I'm, I hear about fire, these crazy young adults that are meeting in a basement somewhere. I don't remember where that house was. I'll never forget coming for the first time. And, you know, you just expect, at least I did anyways, you just expect there to be, I don't know. I don't know what I expected, but I guess when I showed up, I was just blown away how not just welcoming everyone was, but there was none of that kind of new person vibe. People just kind of looked at you and just said, oh, hey, what's up? Like no one said, hey, what's your name? Welcome. Thanks for coming. Like there was none of that. It was just basically like. I don't know. Everybody expected me to be there or felt comfortable with the fact that they didn't know me and could care less about, you know, not that people weren't welcoming, but I don't know. You maybe get what yeah, I'm saying. I get it. And next thing you know, we're just in the basement on our faces, just crying out to Jesus for hours. Yeah. And I just fell in love with those different expressions of what, you know, was happening in the other spaces of a young adult ministry and so forth. And for me, it was as simple as trying to figure out who was looking to genuinely make connections mm. and build relationships beyond events, beyond just even the the, the tasks of, of, of ministry, but who was really committed to building relationships. And that that's really the only thing I've committed to. Anything else that's happened has been the result of that. I never set out to start some organization that would, you know, in itself be a catalyst for unity. I never had any lofty goals to to try to you know do a conference um, in the name of unity. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get to know yeah. who else was out here trying to to advance the kingdom that I could grow from and learn from and but more than that become brothers with. Yeah. And um, so I guess to answer your question over the last eight and a half years I've seen the power of that simple commitment to building relationships and what's come out of that. And now you look at Columbus and you've got incredible initiatives that are underway. The Concert of Prayer, One Night, which are bringing hundreds of thousands of, of you know, believers from different denominations together. You know, In my own personal life, it's a regular thing for me to be able to bring a Ryan Rhodes, to bring a Jared Grant, to collaborate with you know, other ministries and other leaders. And it's just now normal. Like It's not even yeah. something that... Um, I have to try to do, mm-hmm. and and so what gives me hope is just the the longevity, you know, of of what I've personally experienced and how real the relationships have grown, but then also the, you know, the things that are happening on a bigger scale. Like I mentioned, one night the concert of prayer, the call that was just here a few Saturdays ago, um, and the hope really comes from talking to believers from other cities and them acknowledging that none of those things are happening in their cities. You know, when I talk to friends of mine from other cities and describe kind of the, the ecumenical movement, the unity movement that's happening here in Columbus, they say, man, I only could only wish 
right. that something like that was happening. And so clearly there's a long, long way for us to go in Columbus, but I think the hope comes from realizing that the steps that we've taken are are great yeah. in, in, in what they are. And again, it's not something that, that's happening everywhere, even to the level that, that we're experiencing it. Um, so. Yeah. Wow. It's very amazing and beautiful what's happening here. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and with the body as a whole, we know that there's like, obviously there's differences and we have <laughs> lots of denominations lots. and even within denominations there's differences and there's non-denominational and those are all different <laughs> and so i mean and i think that there is like a, a beauty to that but um i would say what would your like advice be to someone who is in the other city and they're not seeing exactly what we are seeing yet um but they just w- want to see some breakthrough um even if there is maybe a disagreement with like say the church across the street is um just totally something totally different you know in certain strong areas they feel strong in right but they still want to see like unity like what advice would you give to them i think even kind of how we started this conversation i think unity first has to be defined because the definitions that we buy into set up our expectations Mm. you know what i mean yeah and if we are defining things wrong, then our expectations are going to be wrong. Yes. And then what we ultimately end up pursuing and what we're even motiva- motivated by can become impure or wrong. Wow. So, you know, when we first talked about the definition of unity, I, I kind of described what it is. Yeah. I think it's also important to define what it isn't. Mm. And so unity is not the absence of differences. Yeah. Unity is not the absence of disagreements. Mm-hmm. Unity is not the absence of, you know, just different perspectives. It's 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 coming together in spite of those differences, yeah. in spite of those disagreements, and really learning how to champion and honor and love and celebrate those differences, and recognizing that you know, unity doesn't exist without diversity. Yeah, and um, that to me is is something that that individual, that church would really have to come to grips with within themselves first. Mm. Because if, if, if you don't really believe that, I mean really, really believe that, <laughs> you will go on this journey of, of unifying mm-hmm. and just be royally disappointed and, and disheartened by you know what you experience. Because yeah. one of the first things you'll experience on a journey of unity is how different we all really are. <laughs> and if you didn't already have, um, again, within yourself just you know if you haven't if you hadn't already within yourself reconciled that reality and being comfortable with that and almost enjoying that mm. i think you would you would just you know really be set up to have a, a um, you know bad experience so that's the first thing that i would say to that individual and if they had influence over a team if they were a pastor or a leader of a, a ministry or an organization i think the next step would then be to to teach their their people that and if it demanded prayer and fasting, if it demanded just seeking the face of God until they were really able to come to terms with that, that's got to be the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be the first step. And just asking Holy Spirit to, to reveal and expose whatever those uh, hidden non-negotiables that really aren't essentials, right? Mm-hmm. And bringing those to the surface because there's so many things that we 
we pick up just from our, our cultural context of, of just how to do church and how to do ministry and so forth that we don't even realize. And if you don't, if you don't take the time to kind of recognize that before you get out there, you're going to end up in a, in a service somewhere and you're going to get really offended by things that you could have easily started to deal with before you even wow. started the journey. I'll never forget um, <laughs> me and Sheldon, we, we spent the first year of our kind of ministry together traveling with Michael Oldfield, mm. who at the time, he's the campus pastor of Potter's House in Reynoldsburg, and he was evangelizing at the time, and he was younger than us, and um, Pastor Oldfield, Michael's father, um, felt good about, you know, just us being there with him when he would travel throughout the state and preach. And I thought that, you know, I'd worked through a lot of my <laughs> a lot of my prejudices or a lot of my just uh, being uncomfortable with things that are different until we wound up in some churches, you know, in Southern Ohio, where they're oh. literally playing banjos, you know, on, <laughs> on the platform during worship. And I remember leaning over to Sheldon one time, be like, bro, I cannot worship to this like I cannot like where is Jesus in the midst of all of this <laughs> there's banjos like how do I even enter into the presence and um, you know we laugh about it now but that was something you know I had to really work through and now I feel like I'd like to think anyways you know here we are six seven years later that there's no there's nothing as it relates to the style of music the style of instruments as long as the name of Jesus is being exalted and glorified I'd like to think that I'd be able to worship in any setting but that's a huge part of this journey of unity amongst the mm -hmm. body you know all of those style preferences especially with worship I think worship's probably one of the biggest things that can keep us divided because there's such a there's such an ingrained sense of of preference in that mm -hmm. space of of music and and yeah. and, and praise and worship uh, uh, you know so, so yeah, I think taking the time to, to, to ask Holy Spirit to expose whatever those, those prejudices are, those preferences are that would prevent you from being able to, to come together with others. And then, like I said, really being committed to what unity is and what it isn't, beginning the process of teaching and, and, and hopefully inspiring those around you. Because uh, I think if you're going to really go after this, it's got to... There's got to be support. I think it's it's be difficult to go out alone, you know. So to do unity alone, <laughs> right? Exactly. So uh, yeah, those are some things I would probably share with that person. Sweet. Um, yeah, that was really good. Finding Jesus in the banjo. <laughs> Take a note on that. Um, he's there. He's at every tribe and every tongue That's and right. every every instrument. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, well, thank you so much um, for those answers. So good. Um, <laughs> some things you said, I have to chew on later. But um, yeah, but as we close out, do you just actually just want to pray for them, the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. This? Absolutely. Well, God, I thank you uh, first and foremost for just this this moment right here, Lord, and uh, just the heart that you've given to Nick and, and, and to Jeffrey and, and just the ministry of fire and everything that you're doing through through the young adults of, of fire to see unity increase in Columbus. And God, I, I just ask that you would um, just continue to, to fan the flames of our own hearts, Lord, that you would 
that you would increase our commitment, our desire to to see your prayer, Jesus, answered. If, if any if anyone's prayer deserves to be answered, it's 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 yours, Lord. And this is this is what you asked for. This is what you spoke over your disciples. And in that prayer, in that time with your disciples, you said to all of the disciples that would come after them, and that includes us. So I pray that that we would just take this personally, that we would take the opportunity, that we would take the invitation, the mandate, God, to go after the the coming together of the bride personally, Lord, and that we would just start small, that we would start with those around us, that we would start in our homes, that we would start in our local fellowships, Lord, that, that we would go after and contend for unity in those spaces and know that that as we do that, we are literally seeing um, your your dream, your your prayer come to pass, and and that by stewarding unity amongst ourselves, Lord, that that from that we'll be able to see it take place on a larger scale. Uh, so if there's any any areas that need to be healed in our communities, Lord, I pray that you would reveal it, Holy Spirit, that that you would just shed light and expose any areas within our our local fellowships, our friendships, our relationships. Lord, as they are that that need to be dealt with, that we would start there, and I thank you for the grace uh, that 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 will be poured out to see that happen, and uh, we just thank you for what you're doing in Columbus. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this city, and we ask that you would just continue to use us and position us to uh, partner with your heart and your will, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we are going to have a part three of this series. Um, I don't know if there will be more nation testimonies in between the series. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And you guys have a great day or night or whenever you decide to listen to this. If Moses saw your glory, then what do you have for me? I'm in a better covenant. I'm in a better covenant. If Moses saw your glory, then what do you have for me? I'm in a better covenant. I'm in a better covenant. If Moses saw your glory, then what do you have for me? I'm in a better covenant. I'm in a better covenant. If Moses saw your